The Future of Catholicism in Poland This conference was given by Mr. Wojtek Golonka on the 13th of October 2019 at the Fatima Center's historic conference in Warsaw, Poland. Honoring the 102nd anniversary of the Miracle of the Sun at Fatima. His original talk was given in Polish. The audio presented here is the live translation into English on site by Transperfects Małgorzata Marcinkowska and Joanna Reindorf-Zaorska. Ladies and gentlemen, so baby, in a traditional uh, miners' way, I will say, praise to be God. I'll just say a couple of words in English. Dear uh, friends from the United States, I just wanted to start a few words in English to uh, thank you for your invitation and mostly for your organization of this Fatima conference today and yesterday uh, on this round anniversary of the apparition of Our Lady. You've chosen Poland. Thank you very much for this honor. Uh, we are very honored to receive you in Poland, and thank you for organizing everything, obviously. Szanowni Państwo, będę dzisiaj... I would like to briefly present certain reflections on the status quo of Catholicism in Poland today and certain predictions for future. And I wanted to do it taking account of the opinions or impressions that our American friends may have when they think about Catholicism in Poland. One of my American colleagues, every time when we talk about Poland as a throbbing heart of Europe, I wonder, perhaps, does the person know that the heart must suffer from atherosclerosis? And when you look at it from outside and compare Poland to other states, you may have an impression that we have very strong hold of Catholicism in Poland. On Sunday, if you go uh, around, you can see churches are open, people are there, priests are there, there are no shortages of priests. Around Easter time, uh, you have people queuing for confession in Poland. There's no problem if you want to confess. We have beautiful national a tradition of Catholicism, a holy bread sharing on the eve of uh, Christmas, the most important Eve supper. Also, atheists are those that have deep roots in Polish tradition would also have the holy bread uh, ceremony on, on that day. So non-believers also uh, foster the same tradition. We have beautiful habit of blessing food before Easter time. You can also talk about uh, our tradition, the remorse um, ceremony in Poland or the, our songs. We say peasants, um, devotions that are so deeply rooted in Poland. Well, the deep sorrow sang during the fast in Poland. A very specific thing here. And on the other hand, 
on the other hand, if you look around at such things as our daily habits, you know, places like petrol stations, newsstands, shops, one of the main things that you can see next to the cash register are contraceptives. Um, and the debate about life that's not necessarily um, taking account of Christian values and sanctity of marriage is less and less often observed. The number of divorces is constantly increasing in Poland. So if you look on us from outside, from America, if you compare us against France, where an apostasy is very popular, you may think that Poland is a, a, a stronghold of conservatism in Europe. But on the other hand, if you have an internal look on things in the country, social changes, then you may really have certain doubts. So the image of Poland, the throbbing heart of Europe, is a vision that should be analyzed in relation to other states. However, not to refer to sociological issues only that are more or less justified and to the point. First, I would like to present certain statistics because statistics are not misleading. Well, the figures for Poland as for the Catholic Church are quite well documented. They are run by a couple of institutes. We obviously have the chief statistical office that has been interested in the subject for a long time. We have a report from 2014 titled Catholic Church in Poland, 1991-2011, so spanning 20 years. The chief statistical office and the religious denominations in Poland, another publication, 2016. And above all, we also have the Institute of the church statistics run by the Palatines and they also have the report. We have Anuarium Statisticum Ecclesia in Polonia. If I'm not wrong, this is the most recent work with the statistics 2018. And we also have a broad report that covers the same time 20 years since 1991 Polish people religious attitudes between 1991 and 2013. And the last public that I've included in the statistics that I'm going to show to you printed just a couple of months ago the report by CPO's um, Analytical Institute, the Youth 2018. So we have to look at statistics and we have to try to gain from them as much as possible. So I wanted to start my lecture with the most obvious index. Religious practices of Poles in the context of Catholicism and number of Poles that go to church. And here we have the 80s between 57 and 50 percent, so the end of communism. Then we have the 90s. And here you see the percentage grows, drops down between 50 and 45. Then, after the year 2000, as you can see, 45, 40 percent. And currently, uh, we see 38.3 percent. This is the most recent uh, information. In 2016, it was a little bit less, 36 percent. Uh, and in general, when you look at the statistics, 
you may have an impression that we have 5% decrease per decade. So 5% of the population fails to go to church every decade. Well, we don't have annual statistics. Uh, what institutes are more interested in is a broader perspective of 10 or 20 years. However, if you analyze the decrease, yes, it's true that it has slowed down, one may say. However, say over 40 years nearly, we lost around 20%. And you may also say that the phenomena on the pontiff of John Paul II resulted in the fact that after every pilgrimage of the Holy Father to Poland, the indexes increased and then slowly, slowly went down. All right, so we have started with the first index, so religious practices, and now we have belonging to the Christian church or who would call themselves a religious person. In 91, it was around 80% of Poles. We have to remember that roughly 95% of Poles have been baptized. So 80% of Poles declared as as believers, then the end of 90s, we are less than 70%. And then we have a plateau for a couple of years, 2012, 60%. So 60% of the Polish population would call themselves believers, Catholics, whereas 95% have been baptized. I mean, say it's not bad. Nearly 40% still go to church in spite of the fact that 60 declare themselves Catholics. However, you have to notice that we have a more brutal decrease here. I mean, in the declarations. This is 10% points per decade. 5% religious practices and here self-declaration 10% per decade. It's a very noticeable erosion. If the same dynamics are maintained, you can imagine what happens in 20 years. Less than 50% of Poles will call them some Catholics and we are getting closer to the border or limit of 50%. And now let's have a look at the quality of faith. Among those that declare themselves Catholics, only 10% would assume that Catholicism is the only real religion, which is the fundamental dogma of our faith. Only 10% of Catholics uh, in the research answer that Catholicism is the only real religion. 45% are deeply infested with the bug of the indifferentialism because they claim that all religions are equal. 45% of Polish Catholics would think so. Another 44% claim that yes, Catholicism is supreme to other religions. However, other religions shall also be respected. Well, obviously, depending on how you form your question, the answer may be just the aftermath of the wording selected. So maybe it's not so tragic. Maybe in the group of 45% when they 
talk about supremacy of Catholicism. They just want to say that Catholicism is the only real religion. But if you take the data for what they are, then only 10% provides the correct answer to the fundamental question about our faith. And what about vocations? And the decrease, because this information is commonly known, especially when you talk not only to journalists, but also to priests who say that in our diocese we had no vocation, nobody entered the seminary. So decrease, yes, this is a popularly known thing, and maybe it's just demographics, maybe the fact that Polish people immigrate abroad, um, demographics or other causes perhaps. Well, first of all, this is very strong data. When you look at the number of nuns in Poland during 16 years, between 2000 2016, you can see decrease by 24% number of nuns in Poland from nearly 24,000 and now slightly more than 18,000. Another interesting uh, index, and these indexes associated uh, with um, novices uh, is more important because life in order is a better thermometer of Catholicism in the country because if you choose your life in the order and you take vows, well, this is really even more interesting than those in diocese, but we'll also talk about them. So, when you think about the number of novices, those that were not only accepted to the order, but also go through a formation that directly prepares them for vows. So they are at least theoretically dressed appropriately here, a decrease by 65% during 25 years. So you see, 1992 and 2016. Yes, it's true. There were certain, you may say, bubbles associated, or peaks associated with the Pontes or John Paul II. After every pilgrimage to Poland, we noted an increase of novices. But look, this is 65% of the decrease all in all. And what about the number of uh, alumni or seminary students, young men who decide to be prepared for priesthood and technically you can call them alumni, so students at seminaries. And here the index um, is clear of demographic um, variations. You may say the number of posts is decreasing, so, so. But now you have this index, the number of alumni per 100,000 Catholics in the year 2000. It was 18.4. In 2010, it is 12.7. I don't have statistics of today, but 10 years later, this is the year uh, 2010 years, but now in 2019, I would be afraid we are below 10, especially that opinions about empty seminaries that I hear from priests are very, very popular and new.
And now let's talk about other indices and the young generation. This is the information from a couple of months. This is the uh, CBSO report called the Youth 2018, 300 page of a report, 80 educational centers of the secondary level, so uh, gymnasia and other secondary schools in which the questioner was distributed. As for the declarations and who declares themselves deeply believing, believing, undecided or non-believer. Here we have the four categories and the evolutions as of 1996 it is increasing uh, in 1996. The number of people that declared as non-believers, 5% in the youth and now 17%. Which means that the undecided, well, equally the same amount, 14% in 96, now 21%. Only 5% of a difference. However, non-believers, 10% of a difference. And among deep Deep believers. It's also unchanged. It's six, eight percent, roughly the same scale. However, in the group of believers, the decrease from 75 to 55 percent. So during 20 years, 20 percent point of decrease. So we see similar trends as in the group of adults. And now to make our task easier and to make a summary of deep believers and believers, undecided non-believers, you can see how the two trends look like. Downwards trend and upwards trend. I don't need to explain what is increasing. What is increasing is absence of faith in the youth and what is decreasing is the percentage of believers. Well, if you make a summary... Until 2008, there was a certain stability. After 2008, there is quite obvious uh, shift. And over five years, there was 10% drop. Um, 10 years, 18% drop. So 8 to 10% drop per decade. Let me leave this one. So sociologically, you could uh, say that Poland is a Catholic country because of our tradition, because of the fact that we have these uh, on certain occasions and uh, uh, holidays, religious holidays, people turn to religion. But objectively speaking, the Catholicism in Poland shrinks down. Without talking about details, uh, um, we have to admit it is a regular erosion, and we also have to admit 
point that the Catholicism that remain is actually soaked with mistakes in the Frentism, modernism, rejecting uh, the uh, necessity of church to get to be saved, or other errors of the Polish Catholicism that historically was built uh, based on ideas of uh, fidelism or if uh, fidelism is diminishing uh, the um, mind in the faith of uh, faith and voluntarism is diminishing the role of mind in the moral acts and based on this foundation of fideism and voluntarism there is a universal crisis in church that actually um, brought us to uh, the situation when we mainly focus on feeling, feast, feast and joy during the pilgrimage that go to the city of Częstochowa and actually uh, we go move away from the true dogma, true tenets. So religion based against the tenet, the real tenet, and in the long term it seems to be not lasting phenomenon because emotions go away and uh, they roll the manage because over time we don't have, uh, uh, we don't want to uh, have fun with singing and guitar with priests, you know, when we go to We'd rather try to focus on the true religion. That was uh, already presented by the Pius X. Religion, when it's based on the faith, true faith, and the, re the religious emotion, then uh, it turns when it's not based on the true religion, it can bring us, this can lead us to atheism because religion is about the true and uh, preaching the truth through our moral acts and acts of our will, briefly, deeds of will, briefly speaking. That's very important. The aspects of fideism and voluntarism that I actually uh, mentioned was justified by history because we were, uh, I'm not sure with if uh, the father is Isaac is with us. Uh, the uh, fathers of Francis, they made a great job, but they mainly focus on the will and a certain religious feeling. That's, this can be very healthy, but Dominicans, like the father, uh, well, Father Bohensky, uh, complained that the will or the role of uh, the mind uh, is lacking in our faith. Uh, Father Voronieski uh, uh, actually stressed the same. So this kind of uh, false Catholicism, so to say, that do not really bring too much attention to the role of mind in the religious questions, will not suffer. However, when the contemporary words um, moves away from the religion, when it turns into folklore, then these feelings will also undergo certain erosion and that's why it will bring us to this type of Catholicism. In Poland, we did not have such a strong reaction towards the revolution in the church that was initiated in the 60s. It was not as strong as in France, Germany or in the US. It was uh, 
partly related to our communist regime um, and to the fact that Catholics uh, mainly were focused on uh, experience of feelings and uh, actually the analysis of situation was not that important due to actually because of the processes of revolution. France, for instance, that uh, actually experienced revolution for over 200 years was also more experienced in this area. So uh, just to summarize my first part of analysis, uh, additionally, actually, uh, going through these times of uh, turbulences under the pontiff of uh, the um, Pope uh, Francis, we see that the, there is a deterioration of the situation. The uh, bad example comes from the top. This uh, Vatican Council is more focused on the CO2 emission, and the uh, bishops decided to be, to plant a, a forest in Amazon, which should compensate emission of CO2 uh, caused by uh, the uh, Vatican Council and the bishops that appeared to the council. So this was the main focus of the council. And they don't actually talk about the salvation of the soul, um, the uh, grace, uh, uh, the uh, spirit of the God. So the essence of the Catholicism, which uh, is focused on the fact that the human being is created for this uh, eternal happiness, but in the conditions of uh, the contemporary word that was already yesterday explained. So, if, the, if God does not stop this uh, modernism uh, in Poland, Polish Catholicism will actually uh, be surpassed by heretic, uh, heresy, lack of uh, faith, as it happened in the Western world. The statistics proved that still we have actually five, six, eight percent of young people who are deeply be, uh, believing. In France, these uh, this, uh, statistics are stable as well, the level of 5%, not more. So, of course, we, reach, we will reach a certain limit. It will not drop more, but this limit will be like 5-6%, definitely less than 10%, and that's what statistics tell us. But we, Catholics, are we pessimists, or can we uh, be pessimists on the anniversary of this uh, secret of Fatima, the miracle of Fatima, uh, the uh, miracle uh, of apparition in Fatima. Can we be pessimistic? No, we have to be realistic. However, despair in religion is a sin, and we are not created for God to despair, even though the situation is not optimistic. However, I started with this first part to show you, to outline the true picture. I wanted to our guests also, foreign guests, who often hear that Poland is a beating heart of Catholicism. I wanted to show you the true erosion of faith here. So realistic picture, so abject options, realism and vis-a-vis uh, -vis uh, pessimism. However, the Jesus promised uh, uh, Sister Faustina that uh, Poland will spark the uh, 
uh, will uh, prepare the word actually for his return uh, but we have to stick to the realism so what kind what kind of counteractive measure we can take so to so that catalysis mean Poland survive so that its quality actually increases and uh, so that the catholicism can grow. There is no new recipe to uh, re-Christianization uh, re of nations. However, this model uh, in uh, Poland or in the, uh, has, has been already uh, proven. It was actually the evangelization model has been proven. Uh, Poland uh, with its uh, baptism uh, uh, given by Mieszko the first, uh, don't think that Poland all of a sudden became fully a Catholic country. There was a Christianization, hard work. Uh, we uh, it took few years and it was made by the uh, Catholic elites that came from abroad and then based on these uh, elites of the state and based on uh, families actually uh, evangelization started around the convents and uh, uh, often uh, the kids, children of these political elites uh, were sent to the monasteries and they were actually building uh, the religion. They actually preached the catechesis, they opened schools uh, like cathedral schools and monastery schools that have been transformed over time and the universities, the uh, Benedicts who uh, came uh, to Poland uh, in the times of Mieszko I. They brought actually the Polish language and they actually brought uh, uh, the Latin to Poland. That was the language uh, of the uh, civilization. So the whole Christianization took uh, a few centuries. The first uh, uh, university was established uh, in the 14th century, whereas in Italy and in France, the first university um, were established somewhere in the mid-13th uh, century. So, of course, we were more advanced in terms of elites, moral elites, who were ready to undertake these Christian tasks. But on the other hand, yes, our country reached the status of Catholic country, the country that fought for uh, Christianity. But we have to be aware that the process took time. Therefore, we will not actually find any uh, ways to uh, fight against uh, apostasy, but we have to, but we have to options. So, if we say these are ultimate times, we don't do nothing. We just be buy food, we build a bunker, and we wait for the apocalypse. And this is quite actually logic reasoning, uh, thank God it, is, it does not happen too often, or the other option, we do what we have to do according to the means that we have at hand models that we can follow. Despair is a scene in the religion. I said that already. Many examples show that 
how Catholicism was able to uh, be reborn in these this difficult times. Of course, we live in difficult times. There was, uh, when it comes to the question of faith, there was never, we have never actually experienced such a deep crisis in the church as we experience today. But uh, the Pope, uh, Pontiff of the Pope, who was named Great, and he deserved for that main. When we talk uh, John Paul II the Great, we have to uh, actually take the perspective of time to be able to assess, to judge uh, his pontiff. So we have to take actually time before we, ju- we as, uh, evaluate John Paul II actually as the great one. So uh, St. Gregor, who lived in the 6th and 7th century, de- deserved the name of the great because he actually believed he was living in the apocalyptic times. Why? Because there was schisma in the church, not Eastern schisma yet. They had different problems. They suffered actually problems related to the Arianism or the Eastern schism, not the Constantinopolitan schism yet, but there was a schism in the church. So the situation was not pleasant. Second of all, the political situation, it was a disaster. Uh, the pa- uh, Uh, the Roman um, Empire actually and the, uh, the, the power shrank down. Uh, the uh, elites, uh, Roman elites, moved to uh, Constantinople. Uh, in Bosphorus, probably the climate was better. And uh, actually, Italy was conquered by barbarians who raped, burned down, killed, murdered people. What people did? They were escaping to the cities. And the cities, of course, uh, uh, in the moments of siege, they were people were uh, missing, uh, lacking in food. So, the, so uh, Pope Gregor uh, was actually deeply convinced that he was really living in the times of crisis. And uh, So what he did, did he wrote a treaty on the universal death, on how to get ready for death? No. Uh, St. Gregor, in this catastrophic, disastrous times, started, initiated reform of the church. So what did he start with? He started to write a book, guidelines for the bishops. So we have like plagues, humanitarian problems, political problems, and St. Gregory started to write a book for the bishops, Regula Pastoralis. So, he is introducing order into the church because he knows that if the bishop is uh, uh, in charge of his diocese, then uh, the diocese, then they will manage actually to bring order, reintroduce order, and uh, they will be able actually to be in charge of the population. Of course, Saint Gregory is not only limiting himself to the bishops, but that's the starting point. So, uh, the situation in the church. Was Would it be possible to change it, to change it in Poland? Because the Polish Episcopate is also responsible partly for this uh, situation. I don't want to actually uh, blame bishops, but in the recent uh, survey from 2018, young people believe that this is the church that this, uh, should take the responsibility for the erosion of the church. So can we change the situation? Yes, but only if there is the impetus coming from Rome when it comes to this rejuvenation of the the Episcopate, and our prayers can actually do a lot because prayer is the most powerful uh, thing. So uh, St. Gregor uh, did not actually limit himself to various alliances. 
Remember the history, example in Poland, a strategy initiated by uh, Gregory the Great when uh, Queen Jadwiga married uh, King Jagiełło. So we could multiply these examples. That was a strategy that was implemented by Gregory the, Gre Gregory the Great 1,000 years before Jagiełło became king of Poland. What else St. Gregory does? He sends missionaries to the world, even though he believed that there will be soon end of the world, and he sends his missionaries to England, and these missions turn to be successful. The uh, missionaries are not murdered, therefore the efforts of the church does not need to end up in martyrology and martyrs, so there uh, actually can be examples of these um, missionaries that uh, uh, sent to the world, they actually re-Christianize uh, other countries. Of course, this re-Christianization took several centuries as well. And all of a sudden we have a ready agenda and a ready program, a recipe. Uh, so uh, St. Gregor, the great and Christianization of Poland. You, well, historically you have to get back to the roots, but these are very simple models. You have to be patient, however, because re-Christianization will take time. It's a question of few generations. So how can we practically implement this plan? We are lucky enough that uh, quite recently um, we had an uh, outstanding missionary, Archbishop uh, Marcel Lefebvre. I know that uh, his figure can spark some controversies, specifically in Poland, because he was objected John Paul II. But bear in mind that he was a very um, rec well-recognized uh, missionary in Africa. He was not only actually recognized by these bishops uh, from before the that. Uh, um, Vatican uh, Council. Uh, bishop Małysiak, who died a few years ago, once told me that the Polish bishops in the 70s last century, and by the way, in the 70s last century, Bishop Małysiak was cooperating with Cardinal um, Wojtyła uh, in Krakow. So when he's talking about the Polish bishops back then, he was talking about Wojtyła as well. So in the 70s, Polish bishops thought how Lefebvre uh, had so many um, seminarians in the West and uh, vis-a-vis -vis other countries. So no matter what you think about uh, this person, Archbishop Lefebvre, please listen to this plan of implementation, plan of Christianization of African countries that he implemented under Pontiff of Pius XII, uh, the plan that was, of course, approved and accepted by that Pope. The Archbishop assumed that above all you have to open real Catholic schools that will um, educate future elites, not only political, yes, political as well, and it's true that very many future leaders of agri African states um, had been educated in schools established by the missionaries, but real Catholic schools will ensure two things. Catholic families, families in which the partners decide to embody the godly plan of sacred family, uh, blessed by God with numerous children, and on the other hand, conviction, um, vocations. 
Recently, several months ago, I talked to one of the parish priests in one of Polish cities, and we talked about the crisis in vocations, and I said that Lefebvre had such, such a plan for Africa. If we want to have Catholic vocations, we need schools, Catholic schools and Catholic families, and he agreed that it would be the only way. Ladies and gentlemen, simple. You want renewal of Catholicism in Poland? We need Catholic schools, Catholic families, and vocations to Catholic orders. All these things are interconnected. Obviously, it's not so easy because construction of a school requires resources, teachers, permits, but it should be truly Catholic educational center, and then we'll have the same results that the church had in future in Middle Ages, in Africa, in the 20th century. And please have a look at the phenomena of French traditionalism, where now over one quarter of priests taking vows are traditionalists. So only the treated um, mass is um, offered by them. Most of these vocations come from private, well, I shouldn't say perhaps private. Most of the vocations in the youth educated in absolutely private schools. I say absolutely private because in France you have certain private schools that are donated by the state and depend fully on the state with the syllabus and teachers and those that are legal accepted by the state but because they receive no donations from the state they have absolute freedom in shaping their syllabus. So the model that I'm describing to you does work. And on the other hand, Catholic family with numerous children. You also can see them in France in different traditional parishes. Well, you know that you have very many um, phases of traditionalism. However, you can see it both um, private, really private schools and families with numerous children. However, this is a challenge. Archbishop Lefebvre, when he was calling for the crusade of families with many children in the 70s, when we say crusade, of families with many children. It wasn't really about physical fight. It was about the effort to have numerous children in the family. And now I'm rather a young man. I am also turning to young people that are listening to us here in the room. And I'm those that uh, watch online programs. Ladies and gentlemen, the obligation to make a family stems from the natural law. This is not pertaining to every individual. However, in our times, when civilization known to us is shrinking, where Catholicism is shrinking, you have to have serious reason to not to make a family. So in other words, if you don't have a serious reason to stay away from making your own family, uh, well, all right, now we are talking about statistics. It's all nice and pleasant in a nice hotel. It will be futile if living this place, we won't do our hardest. And you, young people, you have to establish Catholic families according to the ideals and 
virtues that you believe in. Nobody will replace you here. If a Catholic school is to be made, you need parents that would send their children to such an establishment. You need parents who would support the school financially. So, we are talking about theories, but at the end of the day, there is an appeal for families with numerous children, and the more our world is comfortable, the more virtual resources you have, the less family-making would seem um, attractive, in spite of the fact that nature is pushing us this way. Why? Because you can maintain social relations using Facebook, staying at home, you can contact your friends not seeing each other in the city, but we satisfy certain needs of friendship and uh, living in celibate can be more comfortable being in the world, even for a Catholic who lives in purity, than the effort of having a family. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you are to remember anything from my far from perfect speech, you have to remember the statistics and resources will not do anything if young Catholics in Poland don't make families and don't have many children. Surely, if you have a vocation, follow it. It's the most beautiful way, and the most beautiful way is the one that God has planned for you. Don't wait for God to inform you whom you should marry and it won't conditions. It's just your common sense to make the decision. But in our times, even making a family is going against the mainstream. You can see more and more candidates, women candidates in, in the past. If you lived in a small village, in the past you had four girls to choose from, all the girls from the parish. And now, when you uh, jump on a subway uh, train, you have uh, myriads of girls every day, so selection is even more difficult. However, it is your obligation. This is the obligation of the humankind to prolong its existence. Archbishop Jindraszewski, being widely discussed in the media because of his courage, did say, we are obliged to reproduce. If we stop reproducing, the Catholic Church in Poland will die. So, please remember it, young people. You have to have a serious reason not to make a family. Surely you can have certain conditions that stop you when it's not your choice, when you may not. However, we need a crusade of young families to prevent the disaster in Poland. I don't want to elaborate on the subject of numerous children in the family. I looked at my notes and I can remember one more important argument that can spare you. Please think a priest who would give the last sacrament to us. This priest, has he already been born? If we are 30, the last sacrament, sacrament will be given to us in perhaps 50 years. Maybe at that moment this person would be 35. Uh, has this person been already born? If not, how he can come to this world through a Catholic family? And afterwards, this person has to be brought up in the family and in the right school. God may vocate 
him, the vocation will grow, and this person maybe in 50 years' time will secure us at the moment of death. Perhaps this argument would be most convincing. So without stopping on the negative state of Polish Catholicism, Catholicism is clearly on the way out. Remember what son Paul said, you can do it all uh, with God. San Maximilian said, you can do it all with the grace from the Immaculate. There's no other way. And great Chesterton, um, when big ideals fell down because of human weakness, there's no other way than coming back to the attempt of um, executing these ideals in our life. It is the result of post-middle uh, age crisis. There's no other way than to reintroduce it into our life. And the objective determined before uh, is attainable with the support of the Immaculate Heart of Mary because um, our lady promised in Fatima that she will be our rescue at difficult times in which we live. And Holy Mary didn't say stop executing what humankind did so far, so let's keep ourselves in bankers. No, Mother Mary came not to make a revolution in our life, not to cut us off from the world. She just asked us to devote to her heart and to pray the rosary. And it's obvious, if us pause, if we respect and use the resources provided by providence and the Holy Mother, the Queen of our nation, uh, we may re- expect special blessing from her, provided we are faithful to her. So if we obey, then we can be absolutely sure that our fatherland, our nation, and above all Catholicism in our state will survive and develop further. And this is very important matter, also from the point of view of our national identity, because as it has been noticed in 1935 by Roman Dmowski, who spent most of his life as Gnostic, and afterwards he converted as Gnostic, he had very deep respect to the church. But in 1935, he published a book, The State and the Church, and he wrote that Catholicism is not an addition to the Polish uh, character. It's not a shade, a color of Poland, but it's the very epitome of its nation, of its nature. An attempt to separate Catholicism from Polishness, an attempt to move the nation away from the church is uh, tantamount to demolishing the nature. So the less Catholic Poland is, the less of Poland we really are. So we'll have more and more reasons to for Catholicism in Poland and for our future. Thank you very much for your attention. Perhaps during the question and answer session I will be able to explain more to you. Thank you. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2019. All rights reserved. We invite you to visit our website www. St. Stanislaus, St. Maximilian Kolbe, 
Our Lady of Fatima, ora pro nobis.